Hello. Welcome to the third episode of the Read and Code podcast, the only podcast about literature and computer programming. My name is Flavio. Today we're going to talk about Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five and a programming language called Erlang. First, I'd like to let everybody know that we are now in iTunes, the quintessential place for any podcast to be, and I managed that using Ken Fallon's RSS podcast. Ken Fallon is the keeper of the Hacker Public Radio podcast, which you can visit at hackerpublicradio.org, and he his podcast on RSS feeds and how to best structure them for iTunes helped me make the feed required to be in iTunes for this podcast. On to the show. Kurt Vonnegut was born a few years after World War I and died in 2007. He served in World War II and many of his writings talk about World War II in some way. He wrote Slaughterhouse-Five, one of his most famous novels, the year Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. He's typically regarded as part of the postmodern movement, literary movement, which started after World War II and continues today, I guess, since Thomas Pynchon, a famous postmodern writer, is still alive. Postmodernist literature basically takes everything in life with a large grain of salt, and the stories are often a commentary on the story itself. For instance, one of the quotes in Slaughterhouse-Five, in the middle of a paragraph, says, quote, That was I. That was me. That was the author of this book. End quote. So that's self-referential in that way. Slaughterhouse-Five, the book, is about an emaciated, fatalistic, and ill-trained soldier named Billy Pilgrim in World War II. He is once compared to a broken kite. The narrative of the story is non-linear, but it follows some of Billy's experiences in Germany and then his experience getting caught by the Germans and shipped to Dresden, a city in Germany, for community work where all the soldiers, the American soldiers, reside at an old meatpacking house called Schlachthof 5, or Slaughterhouse 5. When Dresden is bombed, most of them, most of the people in the city are killed, but the American soldiers survived because they were in the basement of this meatpacking house. So they survived this total destruction of the city and woke up the next day to find everything completely annihilated. Billy then returns to the U.S. where he becomes an optometrist and marries an undesirable obese woman whose father has a lot of money and they have children. He suffers head injuries in a plane crash of which he is the only survivor and starts thinking he has made a connection with the alien people of Tralfamador with whom he has traveled in time and has seen all that will happen in the future. He starts giving radio talks and speeches about the nature of time and flying saucers, and he dies shot 
at one of these events in Chicago. Now onto a few quotes from the book that I think best reflect Kurt Vonnegut's writing style in the essence of the book. First quote. First quote is actually the first line of the book as well. First quote. All of this happened, more or less. The war parts, anyway, are pretty much true. One guy I knew really was shot in Dresden for taking a teapot that wasn't his. End quote. Quote, As an earthling, I had to believe whatever clocks said. And calendars. End quote. It's a funny remark on time and how meaningless it is in the war. Next quote. All this responsibility at such an early age made her a bitchy flibbertigibet. End quote. I enjoy strange words that show up in my dictionary, and I took note of this one in particular. Next quote. The gun made a ripping sound like the opening of the zipper on the fly of God Almighty. End quote. Quote, There's more to life than what you read in books, said Weary. End quote. Weary is one of the characters in the novel, and I thought it was ironic that it would have you not believe what you read in books. Next quote. Like so many Americans, she was trying to construct a life that made sense from things she found in gift shops. End quote. This is the brief description we actually get of Billy's mother. That's the essence of it right there. Next quote. One scout hung his head, let spit fall from his lips. The other did the same. They studied the infinitesimal effects of spit on snow and history. End quote. Next quote. Now they were dying in the snow, feeling nothing, turning the snow to the color of raspberry sorbet. End quote. These last two quotes definitely show the derision and detachment with which the book perceives war, history, politics, and such. Next quote. Rosewater told a psychiatrist... I think you guys are going to have to come up with a lot of wonderful new lies, or people aren't going to want to go on living anymore. End quote. Rosewater is one of the characters in the novel that makes these sort of deeper remarks and makes fun of, say, psychiatrists and humanity in general. Next quote. So they were trying to reinvent themselves and their universe. Science fiction was a big help. End quote. Quote, That's the attractive thing about the war, said Rosewater. Absolutely everybody gets a little something. End quote. Uh, the next is a dialogue. Quote, I'm afraid I don't read as much as I ought to, said Maggie. We're all afraid of something, Trout replied. I'm afraid of cancer and rats and Doberman pinchers. End quote. And last quote. And then the Russians came on motorcycles and they arrested everybody but the horses. 
End quote. So these sort of uh, quotes and sayings pretty much pervade the entire novel. As a matter of fact, there are the the saying "so it goes" appears a hundred and six times in the novel. So, for instance, here are some examples. There used to be a dog named Spot, but he died. So it goes. Another one is, the champagne was dead. So it goes. Another one is, the water was dead. So it goes. Air was trying to get out of that dead water. Bubbles were clinging to the walls of the glass, too weak to climb out. End quote. So that should give you a feeling of how the novel's language functions and maybe a little bit of Kurt Vonnegut's writing. On to Erlang, the computer language. This, first I should remark, is based on a one-day training session I had with Kevin Smith, who is on Twitter as Kev Smith. He was kind enough to come here to Charlotte, North Carolina and give a one-day training session on Erlang, which I attended and was wonderful. The language, Erlang, was designed by Ericsson in 1986 to support big, fault-tolerant applications internally for Ericsson. It was released open source in 1998, so that's 12 years later, and it stands for Ericsson Language, Erlang. Its main features are that it's multicore, functional, and proven. Multicore means basically it supports great concurrency, which means doing a bunch of things at the same time. And this is a problem because languages like Java or Python struggle to efficiently use machines with tens or hundreds of cores, so very, very powerful machines. Erlang, on the other hand, has these lightweight processes with very minimal overhead, which allows for the rapid creation of hundreds of thousands of these processes. And these processes have no shared state. They don't know anything about each other. They communicate through asynchronous message passing. Basically, each process has a mailbox, which it checks to see if it has the message it wants, and then deletes it after it's consumed. Very much how we would ideally check our own email inboxes. And to start one of these, all you have to do is just call spawn, the function spawn, and that returns a process ID. That's it. So that's the multicore f feature. Erlang is functional, which basically means it uses immutable variables, so you can only assign variables, you cannot change them later, which allows you to depend on that value of those variables. Functions are first-class citizens. They can be used like any other data, like a number or like uh, anything else. So this basically replaces the need for objects that we have in object-oriented languages. You can just use functions. And the third, proven, it has been used, Erlang, in recent years by many high-profile open-source and non-open-source projects. 
of which the ones that stand out to me are CouchDB, Membase, and React, which are three NoSQL databases or key value stores, and RabbitMQ, which is a queuing service. Very much all of these four require great speed and concurrency fault tolerant uh, applications. That's probably why they choose Erlang for their implementation. Now, you may wonder what this has to do with Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse 5. Well, there's a few similarities in there. For instance, the quote that says, All this happened more or less. I compare that to the spawn function that I mentioned before. I told you you can just call spawn and a process in Erlang happens, which is more or less true. Really, you would pass it a module or a function with arguments that basically allow that process to handle any messages that it receives, basically pattern matching any message it receives to make sure it acts according to what the process sending the message wants it to do. Second similarity. Kurt Vonnegut packs a lot of meaning in a few lines. He's extremely concise. For instance, this quote. He said that everything there was to know about life was in the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. But that isn't enough anymore. End quote. I feel as though with that sentence, he was able to say so much about both books in general, Dostoevsky's uh, book he mentioned, as well as meaning of life. In the same way, I think Erlang is an extremely concise language. Particularly, it has a great ability for list comprehensions, which basically, for instance, if, it'll, if you would like to find the even numbers in a list, you would be able to type one single line that retrieves that list. In many other languages, you would require several lines, usually a function of some kind, to get this done. I'm not saying this is unique to Erlang, but is especially concise. Immutable variables is the name, the next similarity. I think Billy Pilgrim, the main character in the book, we find out more about him as the book develops and as we find out more about ourselves through Kurt Vonnegut's writing style. But he is really the same throughout the entire book. He does not change at all. And I think this consistency allows us to depend on the narrator more. In the same way, we depend on an Erlang program that state will not change in the middle of it. Hence, the immutable variables and the functional nature, which each function will return the same thing given the same input. So I think consistency is a similarity. Furthermore, the functional aspect of Erlang, like I just mentioned, functions being able to return the same thing if given the same input and be used whenever needed and returning themselves. I think in Slaughterhouse 5, 
a lot of the narration jumps in history, in the future, in dreams, and then comes back in history. And I think that's similar because all of these parts of the novel can live on their own and can be used independent of one another, just like functions can in a functional language like Erlang. Next comparison. Quote, he is in a constant stage fright, he says, because he never knows what part of his life he's going to have to act in next. End quote. I compare this to inboxes and the message passing in between processes in Erlang that I mentioned before. I think these processes are also in constant stage fright because they never know which part of the program they're going to have to act in next. They're sort of just waiting to be given a message and check against it for what they need to do. The last comparison is so it goes. If you recall, a lot of the saying is used a lot throughout the novel. So it goes to end a paragraph about something tragic or somebody's death. He says, so it goes. I compare this to Erlang endings. I think uh, so it goes a very ambivalent ending. And I think Erlang has line has three different line endings, right? In Java, the line end would be a semicolon all of the time. In Python, there is no line end. There's just a space. It knows that the new line is a new line. But in Erlang, you can either use a comma, a semicolon, or a period. Not in the interchangeably, but rather depending on how what you end. If it's a line that is part of multiple lines, you'd use a comma. If you would um, end sort of a fragment, like I guess they're thinking like a paragraph, that would be a semicolon. And at the end of a, of a bigger thing, like a function, you'd have a period. I think this was especially confusing and still is for me. So I compare that to So It Goes in Kurt Vonnegut. All right, with that, I end this podcast. I want you to know that show notes will be up on the website for this podcast and hopefully future ones. And I want to thank Samantha Simpson for the intro and theme song of the podcast. Please address any passionate approval, dismissal, or comments at Flaviu, that's F-L-A-V-I-U, at read, the letter N, code.com. Until next time, read and code. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.